1: Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content, or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Welcome to Insights, folks, where today we're excited to welcome multi-Grammy-nominated band, Hanson. They've just released their highly anticipated new album, Red, Green, Blue. And the Hanson brothers Taylor, Isaac, and Zach are with us this hour to chat about the album, which actually marks the band's milestone 30th anniversary. It's a unique and creative project featuring three separate albums in one, with one-third of the overall album written and produced by each brother, Taylor's Red, Isaac's Green, and Zach's Blue. We'll learn all about the inspiration and making of the albums, what the guys have been up to recently, and much more. So without further ado, please welcome to Insights with host Amy Wright. Hanson
0: is Tulsa where you guys sort of weathered COVID and were you hanging out there and
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. Tulsa's home base so we've uh,
2: yeah. thankfully yeah very uh I think we had the most mild experience
3: as far as uh, restrictions
0: yeah so do you have can, lots so- of space do you have land and all that
3: we do have a good amount of land yeah, yeah. we definitely have some some ponds and some woods so we yeah. can <laughs> we could go Okay, somebody go out. Okay. That's what air feels like. That's, there's nobody around. Natural social distancing is happening. I, mean,
4: I, I love... Yeah, I've, been, I've been social distancing for years.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, in
3: the woods.
4: I love New York City. With like, I loved living there when we did, and I enjoy it immensely when we you know visit and do media and do shows and all those kind of things. But I was never more happy to not be living in New York City than the oh, last wow. two years.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, isn't that the truth? Yeah. I mean, we're, any we're space, and we yeah, oh, yeah. we're yeah. in the middle of the city, but we had just put in a small yard, yeah. and thank God we had even that space. Oh, yeah. But uh, there were multiple times when we said, "We've got to get out of the city. I don't yeah. care where we go. Someone has a cabin we can rent somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I just want to yeah. get out of the city and I want to have some space. I want to run around and not see anybody and just breathe yeah, air yeah. and all just that get, kind of fun just stuff.
3: That's some elbow room. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: We're
2: we're lucky that you know we obviously have a fairly large family coming from seven and then all of us have a bunch of kids. And so even when people were really trying to be distancing and sort of thoughtful a part of that, um, you know, you never really were distancing from family. Right. And so it was there was always a, a fairly large social group of people that kind of it's like we were with each other yesterday. I'm not gonna social distance from you today. Like that doesn't make any <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. yeah, maybe somebody I haven't seen, but yeah. but you know, we were at at grandma's house or mom's house, you know, yesterday. So we'll just
4: keep seeing each other. Well, yeah. And if somebody starts feeling under the weather, we won't hang out with them. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's very normal. That's what I told Zach for three months. So it was <laughs> weird. Yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'm like, I feel fine. And he's like, no, 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 you? So uh, I, I told you I was sick for three months, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I'm still sick, guys.
2: I gotta know.
0: Well, I had COVID. I, I had all the vaccines no. and then I had all a right. booster. And then I got COVID. So I've had it all done (laughs) at this point. Uh, Same
2: same year. Yeah, Yeah, same.
0: Wow. Okay. So, y'all grew up in Tulsa, big family. Um, Were you, when did you start playing music? And was that sort of a requirement in your family that everyone (laughs) take an instrument or? Definitely
2: not a requirement. We started in sort of officially in 92. mm -hmm. So, uh, 30 years. When Zach was six, um, he was doesn't six. even remember
4: starting. Six, you
0: know, we were singing before I was that, eight, by the way. Just kidding. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you, know. Know, yeah. you know. Yeah. I know. I, I know like, exactly you're paying. Yeah. And, and, and so, like,
2: it wasn't, I think a lot of that stuff wasn't really conscious. We used 92 as the point when we actually we actually tried out to perform at, like, an arts festival. And so that was the first we time. We did our first proper
4: show there. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. like, more than just, like, you know, 15 minutes of the songs, yeah. you know, we had now. It was it, like oh you got it- prepare for a show it's got to be a certain length <laughs> right. so, so.
3: Um, we didn't have any professional uh, musicians that really paid the bills in in our immediate family um so it wasn't as much a tradition in that sense but there was a lot of music around and my really our mom chose really chose to not go you know super career focused um, as a singer but truly totally could have she just didn't really like the rat race of the we came. she's an incredible singer didn't yeah. really like the process of Kind of that that culture that when she stepped into that the classical world, and wanted to have a big family, and so we were surrounded by singing, uh, and we were yeah. surrounded by her in, in her dad. constantly singing, yeah, that, constantly. Singing. And yeah. and our dad being very creative as well, but kind of chose to be the accountant and you know, um, kind of be the responsible dad, you know. <laughs> but um, you know, we grew up around. I think more than anything, we grew up around hearing um, just a general tone of. Hey, if you work for it and it's possible and why not? So not, not to be not that, Hey, anything's possible. Just, you know, sunshine and rainbows, but we're not, there wasn't a lot of, do you really want to do that? That just, that sounds risky. That, that was not said very much. Um, and so I think that we, we were lucky in the sense that we had uh, you know, a solid family and, and parents that were supportive of the possibility. They were that's, just that's,
4: supportive that's- enough and not like, and not like, stage parent wanting to be famous. Yeah it was yeah, not. I, I was were wondering not a about that.
0: Were they yeah. were they the ones yeah. putting you together or was it, hey, we no. want to do this and uh, we're gonna support you. So how did that happen?
3: They, they were definitely not uh, putting us together except for mm-hmm. the fact that you built the birthing thing
0: they officially <laughs> That was put an us important together. part of this by the way. Uh, you <laughs> know, they
2: uh, get they, a they lot they of were the original ahead. yeah they were the... Yeah, the original social network. Yeah, this, <laughs> they have this, this like social networking. It's called marrying uh, you know, children. Band I mean, audition. But, but you know, as you know, I have five kids, and so you know that also, what your parents are doing is they're they're providing certain opportunities. They're they're thinking about things that, as a young person, you, you just don't think about how things work, and so that that was the way that they were really, you know, taking us to the next level. Hey, do you guys want to do this? Well, yeah,
3: we well, want to do that. Hey, <laughs> the other unique thing... Yeah. Okay. The other unique thing about, you know, really our, um, there was an excitement. I think they could feel an excitement once they saw people respond to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And also we were excited. We were clear about it. I mean, I had a very I had a vivid picture of just hearing Michael Jackson and hearing rock and roll and, oh, yeah. and someone responds to you singing and sitting so like, on,
0: wow. Oh my gosh.
3: yeah. And And so there's an energy. Yeah. There was definitely an energy that, that there was something special, there was something unique. And, and with us, it was just natural. But you could feel how all of a sudden people would turn and go, what is going on? How are you singing this and you're writing songs? And so there was an energy that there was something special. But it wasn't it was such an anomaly. No one had there's no path. that you say, these are the five things you, you do that are guarantee of success. You just yeah. begin to figure it out.
0: When you were so young and your boys, of course, was there ever any check. pull towards sports or anything or did you just already know hey we're cooked and baked we're, we're in music that's what we're doing
4: uh, yeah. we're, well, the only soccer team I ever played on, we, we, we won. <laughs> uh, we were the number one team in the league. Okay, It wasn't because of me. <laughs> but, but they were, was on that we team. We were a really good team. I did get a soccer ball straight to the face.
2: Yeah. Uh, that uh, yeah. was
4: really fun. Uh, you, you know, we did, uh, soccer was the thing that I think all of us played in some mm-hmm. capacity. Zach played a moment of t-ball, I think. Uh, <laughs> like but, a bit of soccer. Yeah, quite a bit of soccer, yeah. and 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 I think, I think that was that was the only kind of organized sport that we ever really got into. Taylor loved getting red cards, in <laughs> in soccer. No,
3: no, I did not love getting red cards. I just got a lot of red cards.
4: <laughs> <laughs> His favorite color is red. I beg to differ. Exactly, but uh but you know, I think I think really quickly the passion for music and the ability to kind of memorize songs and harmonize and things of that nature. It just quickly became obvious that that was something we were better at than 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 sports. I don't think it's even that. It's it's you know, you got to remember we were signed
2: about when I was ten, so right around there, and um, that's pretty we, early. We were this. going out to yeah. Yeah. make our first album that time in, in California, yeah. and, and so that that's about the time when kids really start to you know do sort of competitive leagues and go from just sort of playing because it's fun to playing because you're good.
0: I mean, and, I was playing and, on the playground at 10. I mean, I, right, I had that going right, right. for me. So <laughs> yeah. you already so, had a career in music. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: you you kind of have to decide things. I think uh, mm-hmm. to some extent, um, those kind of challenges are, are baked into the music and the stories we write and our songs, even back to, you know, Umbap is really this song that talks about sort of, you yeah, have some of your relationships in this life and most of them won't last, right? Most of the things you're going to do won't have a lasting impact on who you are and who you want to be. And so you have to choose, you know, because in an umbop they're, they're going to be gone. In a you know, things will change. Say la vie. In a moment, in a blink of an eye, you'll be at the end of your life. Uh, it also happens to be a really catchy chorus. We can but <laughs> get out of our heads. <laughs> but but, but I, think, I think what you see in us is though – um, I think to some people, it may seem morbid, like oh you you lost out on on those things. You also gained so many other oh. things that that you kind of have to just sort of balance it out and say, Okay, I did all these amazing things i didn 't do all these things um but but yeah, music was was the path.
0: So you were growing up in Tulsa. Were you ever aware of how many other great musicians also come from Tulsa? <laughs> not early on. I, it not, was, not for it a was while. so crazy. When I'm going down the rabbit hole, I thought, oh, my God, there are just a million of them. And if I had interviewed you a couple of days from now, it would have been on Hanson Day, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> the May 6th, realized, I have to say, is Hanson Day in Tulsa. Yeah, Hanson
3: Day in Tulsa. So, we, um, I don't think we realized quite how much we we're part of the legacy mm-hmm. of, of music that's come out of Specifically Tulsa, um, until you know years after we started, and you want our good friend who sadly passed away a few years ago, Steve Ripley. So a real mad scientist, brilliant engineer and musician, also you know, guitar, guitar maker, and then also yeah, and the tractors. And yeah. he was he was you know, Russell's engineer and he was in the band anyway. Steve's amazing. Um, he was a real. A real historian for Tulsa music, Oklahoma music, and one day I remember him saying, "You guys are—you know—you guys have the Tulsa sound." I'm like, "What's the Tulsa sound?" And mm-hmm. it is that fusion. You know, there's probably something to do with the place that it is in the country, the kind of community. It's you know, a little bit of gospel, a little bit of blues, a little bit of twang. You know, that's kind of baked into the dirt. You know, and yeah, and even though we came out of Motown and got you know, really soul music, and then into singer-songwriter and craftsmanship, like we have little pieces of a lot of these tones that you hear and from J.J. to Leon Russell to, um, the even some of the, yeah, you have the gap in, you have, you know, this, all these different sounds that do have some connective tissue and, um, maybe also just, um, the bootstrap energy being in Oklahoma, you know, you got to figure mm-hmm. it out. You got to fight for it a little bit.
2: The land run is still somehow embedded in it, all of us. Yeah,
3: people are, people are kind of go, go getter. You have to be, Um, If you're going to do, if you're going to be creative, you really have to sort of make it happen. Um, Well, if you're out
0: on the ranch, you need a, you need something to do, right? Right, right, right. Yes, (laughs) yes,
3: exactly. exactly, Yeah, Yeah, you got to entertain yourself. Right, entertain yourself, (laughs) and then of course there's, you know, huge amount of country, unbelievable amount of country. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: And were you guys writing your own music from the start, or were you getting help from that department? And because you were so young, I I was wondering that.
2: The early earliest stuff we were doing was mostly singing songs we had heard, you know, singing uh-huh. fifty songs, and and quickly Isaac and Taylor were writing, and, and you know, by the time uh, we were really recording our first independent album in in Oklahoma, we were already writing our songs. I think it became. I'm not sure why that was such an
4: obvious immediate thing. Hey, I think it was just an inclination. I think I it's think, creativity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just you just at some point you you know get like i remember vividly our mom you know played piano or at least in some capacity you know had piano lessons over the years and so she had played piano and then our dad had played a little bit of guitar as well and so i remember at 9 years old when i was in 3rd grade asking my mom how to play you know some chords and she just said well here's c here's f here's g and that's that's a key you know so you can write a song with these three, these three chords and then that day i wrote a song it was a relatively forgettable <laughs> song, to me. but 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 it all you know every you got to start somewhere, right? You know, and 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 it, it, I remember you know it was very earnest and all these things and you know whatever. But it, it, the the song itself is not important, but what was important was that you, I for some reason or another immediately understood and go oh I can write melodies to where these chords are going back and forth. And some of that is just memorization. You've you've already heard other music, and so you go, oh, oh, that's where that fits. That's where that fits. And and I think also having heard, especially early rock and roll, which is very much three chords in the truth, or you know, twelve bar blues style um, music, you know, more so than others. It it really I think was a great foundation for where to start with writing songs. You. It wasn't so just completely out there. It wasn't like you were listening to Piano Man, you know, by Billy <laughs> right, Joel right. going, I got to learn how to do that in order to write the songs. No, no, no. It wasn't, yeah, unattainable. Yeah. It was It, it was, was within it was, your grasp. Yeah.
3: I think, too, with songwriting, um, you know, if you're a song, if you're going to be a songwriter, it's, it's going to be hanging there. You know, it's creativity. You know, whether you're good at it, whether it becomes well-honed, that's the work and stuff. But I think like singing, you know, writing songs is just is ideas. You know, it's just ideas, it's thoughts. It's creative thoughts on, and that the structure is a musical a musical story. I mean, you're using music to tell a story. Sometimes it's a very short story. Sometimes it's a very shallow story. <laughs> Sometimes it's a really deep story. But you're you're just you're living your life, and ideas are born. And the minute you identify a tool, like as example, piano or a guitar, you know, you all of a sudden somebody says, "I'm a guitarist." But those are just Those are just like different paintbrushes that you're grabbing to try and figure out how to interpret what it is you're thinking. And so being, you know, to me, it was just it was inevitable because all of a sudden you're walking around and um, idea, you start having an idea. So, I mean, that's one of the amazing things about music is that it is even for people that aren't maybe technically gifted in singing, you know, particularly or writing songs or becoming artists. Music is very innate in all of us, I think. It's just figuring out that you have that extra little, you know, push.
0: When you all started in piano, and I know that um, play other instruments, obviously. um, But piano is such a great instrument to create music on. And, um, you know, I grew up playing the violin and I wish I had had that piano foundation (laughs) just because it's such a great instrument if you want to write music, I think. It's
4: it's literally a composer's (laughs) instrument. Yeah. It's literally what, you know. Well, it came out of all of the, you know, what was it? It came out of Vienna, basically. I think. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, you know? Well, you know, the, that's certainly that an amazing sausage.
4: thing. But, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> piano, piano, yeah, we all played piano, all took classical piano for a period, um, me the least, because I, I decided I, I didn't like counting. And so I had to quit and become, become a drummer. Uh, and then I <laughs> took up a career of counting. <laughs> You
4: know, God has a sense of humor. Yes, yes. Yeah. The universe because, um, is like,
1: ha, 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 watch this.
4: Um, yeah, well, maybe but, it's
0: more that you just were innately counting as a yeah, drummer. Maybe. You just didn't want to have to actually count. So, well,
2: <laughs> I, I think what it actually is is I'm incredibly controlling, and so when someone else said count, I said no. I'll count when I feel like it. I'll start the song whenever I'm ready. <laughs> you
0: know.
2: Um, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's ironic.
0: So, how did your lives change when you? put out that first album it was so huge. It went viral, it went all over the world. Mm-hmm. So you went from, you know, kind of a local Tulsa thing to worldwide fame. How did that yeah. affect you or did it?
3: The short answer um, version would be it, it was incredible and it was exciting and, and it was what we dreamed of doing to see, yeah. you know, to have the potential to, um, to write a song and share it with fans. And we we saw very quickly just the power um, the power of music to connect with people. I mean, you yeah. you talk about this, you know, music is a universal language, but when all of a sudden you're in Indonesia and you're in, you know, the UK and you're all over the US and people are singing those song songs back to you, I mean, it just, it's wow. floors you. you know? I'm sure it didn't hurt that also the chorus of, of Umbap n- is nobody's a language. universal language.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like, umbop is you know
2: the closest thing to baby.
0: Anyone life. can sing yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. right. That's
4: right. Although it's surprising how many people remith- remember
3: the rhythm and answer to yes. world peace is umbop. Yes, everybody sing together.
0: So, so you're now you're famous and um, you're in that sort of train. You're putting out new albums, etc. Um, what What was it like the transition for you guys from sort of the golden age of the album to the digital age? Because right. That was, for a lot of musicians, that was really tough. It was a whole different um, ball of wax. But you guys are so young that it almost may have been kind of fun for you. I don't know. What It was it that is
2: wild. Like? Yeah, we, we came onto the scene at a time where we really got the very last breath of, like, mm-hmm. you know... Um, cassettes and things were still there cds were totally taking over just a little bit of vinyl you know we made our first album on two inch tape you know analog two inch Mm. tape and Uh, you know there wasn't any pro tools or computers you know it was like when somebody wanted to use pro tools on an album like computers on an album they'd call in like a hunchback he would come in with like this you know (laughs) you know
3: i I brought the computer Um, yes Uh, with the pro tools now er or someone it was it was definitely the anomaly we one thing that we had that was was actually a Sort of a blessing of that moment is we did have such a young audience and we were so young that we we adapted i think more than most bands could because we were coming of age and you know so that audience we have a a consistent online fan club a a, a website that has a members only section that has been active consistently consistently since 2000 um actually since 99 but you know the form it's in exactly is was since 2000 so 20 plus years um, and that the internet also allowed us to make some decisions about when we ultimately, you know, we had a big corporate conglomerate that one label bought another label and we found ourselves in a situation that wasn't great mm-hmm. and said, Hey, we want to leave and start our own label. It, part of the the connection with our audience online gave us the sense, the confidence mm-hmm. to, to say, you know what, we're going to build something different. You well, know?
4: and also youthful energy, because while we did start really young, even when we ended up starting that label and, and kind of going oh, yeah. I mean, we on yeah We were still young. I mean, I <laughs> I was in my early 20s. Yeah, I was 18. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. like it, it, we were still, in, in some ways, when we started our independent label, it was almost like we were a new band, you know? It was almost like the beginning of the band you know yeah. now is probably <laughs> more like 2003, 2004. It doesn't mean that the stuff before that wasn't us, but... But the kind of the, the trial by fire was certainly in that period. Yeah.
0: Why did you start your own label? I mean, what was the impetus there? Well, there's
2: there were a lot of choices we could have made at that point in our career. But what we had seen was a, a great deal of instability. Right. We had been signed to Mercury before the second album was released. It was merged. Uh, with actually while we were making yeah. the second record yeah. even yeah, yeah, yeah we were in, in a huge corporate merger uh and and we released the second album with that label and then by by the third album we were already seeing these signs that there was just more mm-hmm. upheaval and so when we were looking at the choice uh we we were now kind of working with entirely new team under the same record label name right but it wasn't the same label, and we said to ourselves how do we create longevity for us? How do we create a place that we can grow into? I think that's a big theme in our choices as a band, Yeah, is trying to say, what, what do things look like in a decade? What do things look like, uh, you know, 20, 30 years down the road? Because those are the kind of choices we want to make, because we know no matter what we do, it's
4: our name, it's our face, yeah. it's our story. And we're everybody else can it. have another career, the manager, the <laughs> label, the record exec. We can't we, if we don't if we don't have some level of stability and, and control, we're going to be mm-hmm. we're going to be just thrown around with the tempest and the winds of, you know, said time on the sea of music, you know, and it's, and that's a that's a real challenge. And, and like Zach said, I think the instability is the right word, because when you really look at it, we were basically signed. To one record contract, but actually had three <laughs> record labels that we so, had for each different record. So it was a real it was a real challenge for he, us. Um,
2: forming a label was highly risky. It was very um, when we looked around to to peers and other people we knew in the industry at the time. You know, they were like, well, "Really, you're going to do that? You're going to, you know, essentially pay to promote your own albums?" But uh, I think for us, it just seemed like. Um, the great choice. I mean, everything about being a band is very independent. You're being very different. You're telling your stories. And so it just seemed kind of like a, a natural choice to take that risk, too.
3: We, we made a documentary about the process, um, which began as just, hey, let's film the process of making our third album, show the music. And, in, and it ended up painting a picture of kind of the demise of that relationship and ultimately starting the label. And interestingly now, I mean, that was we did it then in 2003, 2004 that's when the the project finished and the documentary we took around in 2005 to all these colleges and told, did lectures about it and screened it at schools. And, and we were talking then about, hey, there's this moment, you know, there's this emerging internet and the independent music is different. You know, bands like Hanson being indie, you know, that means something has happened because we're, you know, a mainstream quote unquote sure. band with. And so it's interesting now because unfortunately a lot of the, a lot of the, I think the innovation that could have showed up didn't. Because people began to, you know, again, labels began to take over a lot of the new technology companies that have been born now, YouTube and Google, and um, you know, Apple Music, or become victim to it. Yeah, way. but mm-hmm. but it was it was a lot of things we were also saying have occurred, which is so many bands now are doing are structured more like the way we set up 3CG was this idea of, you know, producing music at a, hopefully a more reasonable cost and managing that differently. And then connecting your business in a more you know cohesive way between your jewelry and your merch and your e-commerce and and ultimately working with labels as marketing partners and having less having less you know complete control from the label, Um, but really you know it's just about you just make decisions each chapter to say okay where are we what makes sense like are we do we have the courage to make the hard choices?
0: Well, and probably with maturity and a little bit of knowledge, you feel like you had a little more business control over. a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And creative control maybe. And uh, all that.
3: Yeah.
2: We, we wouldn't have probably made that choice except for the manager we had at the time who was um, for all his many uh, famously uh, brash qualities. He was brave to say, Hey, you can do something different. And I think with that kind of uh, Oklahoma bootstraps kind of mentality combined with Alan Kovac, who was our manager at the time and his kind of history with with bands and careers mm-hmm. it, it it made for a moment where um doing something new really was the only choice doing something different really was the only way to go um and and so you know the rest is a little bit history
4: well and as an example an affirmation of why it was a good choice to do that especially at the time uh we realized that <laughs> ironically the label that we almost signed with before we started the label, uh, that label ended up hiring the A&R guy that we were escaping from on our previous <laughs> label about six yeah. months later.
2: Right. In, in the musical chairs of the
4: music. Yeah. Like- yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, we would have been stuck with that guy again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Now, see, that's validation. Yeah. Um, now, do you guys record other artists or is it mainly the labels mainly for you?
3: It's really, um, we have always intended to record other artists, but we've never released another band on 3CG. So it's yeah. really acted as a self release uh, vehicle. Yeah. But I think, you know, our so much of what we've done too, you know, sort of feel like we've been guinea pigs in our own experiment of, well, what is it going to, what does an independent band need? And mm-hmm. what's one of the things that's happened in our structure is more and more things have come in, you know, from our e commerce or the, what we do with our fan club mm-hmm. to the way we interact with you know, the marketing side of things, the distribution side of the label. I mean, when we started the label, it was lots of distribution deals with different pr- regions of the world. And now, I mean, we're set up with a partner where we're, you know, releasing the record simultaneously everywhere in the world. And so all these little things, we've definitely, Hansen has been, uh, we've benefited from and also been kind of experimenting on ourselves. By. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I think so. too, what you see in us is that desire to build something and and what we tend to do when we, find someone that we love or want to help is, is try and help them build their own ship, you know, their own place Mm. to create music and release their music. And instead of trying to be in the acquisition business of record labels, sort of, I own a piece of you and I own a piece of you, which can really serve people in the right relationship. But we, we've tended to be like, how can I help you build your own ship?
0: Well, and speaking of independent albums, you guys have a new one coming out, uh-huh. red, green, blue, yeah, and which is very exciting. And I was listening to the the three singles that you released. Uh-huh. Um, I watched the videos. Everything was great. Um, who produced the album?
2: So we each produced five songs of the fifteen song album, and the sort of collective tissue, uh, the the cohesive connection uh, is Jim Scott, who's an amazing
4: uh, engineer, producer. I've uh, worked with all kinds of- Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, you know, you know, yeah. you know I, a, to name a few. A few small list.
0: artists, yes.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, and we also chose to bring in uh, a friend, uh, amazing artist producer named David Garza, who, uh, you know, worked with Fiona Apple and Midland and uh, his own career. Uh, and so it was, it's it's sort of a, a lot of people, five people produced the record in their ways, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah, sort yeah. of three parts. Yeah.
0: So, what do you think they brought to the album? You guys are so creative yourselves, but um, did they bring like another element to the uh, to the music?
3: Well, I mean, they both brought essential elements. I mean, the record was broken into three pieces, with each of us basically, you know, grabbing the taking the helm with each five songs, and so you know, you needed different collaborators to bring it all together. So, Jim is the engineer, the recording engineer. I mean, he and his assistant Ben. Um, so there, you know, the actual recording, the pro, the the quality of the actual recordings is all about him. And so we worked in his studio in California, which is incredible. Um, all vintage gear, you know, more vintage gear than you can, you know, shake possibly a stick at, as they <laughs> say. Um, and then and then really, David comes more. I mean, he is not technical and um, recording wise at all. And but he's incredible. He's over over as a musician. He can just pick up any instrument. It's such a great ear, and really, in both their cases, these are people we've known for twenty years, and both of them. There was just such a sense of uh, camaraderie and love uh, between us. So that that's mm. both of them brought those key elements, which allowed them to be, you know, the collaborators. On the well,
2: for, for better or worse, I think um, as a trio, we're a hard band to produce because there are so many ideas. the The space is very full with. Yeah where we're going to go and what people want to do and,
4: and plus we're not afraid to argue with each
2: other. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, I think at at times it can be hard to add that fourth element or that, that outside force. And this Mm -hmm. was just a great opportunity where we knew we were kind of in the most positive sense, deconstructing Hanson, right. To say, this is, you know, Jim Scott, we've known Jim forever. Uh, Jim we talked to Jim about producing our second album this time around we've known him since then we've always wanted to work with Jim and it just never worked out he's done some amazing mixes for us he worked on our string theory album as a mixer and when we said okay wow there's going to be so much more room for another voice we kind of all looked and said what if we had a a cohesive sound someone Mm -hmm. someone who was going to be working on all three parts that kind of made it become more of an album not just three different solo projects but sort of helped know that there would be someone there kind of as a part of everything uh and David I think was was kind of the same yet did where we spent so much time writing together even when it's small changes that people do that they bring in their ideas to an arrangement or a chord change or maybe you should cut that 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 pre-chorus or Or a groove feel
4: thing that completely alters how and How so
2: David kind of became almost played. more like uh the 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 co-writer. Though he didn't write on every song, it was more like you're more of a band guy. Jim is more of this great uh vision, this great cohesive he he just knows when it's right. You kind of look he, over and Jim goes, "Yeah, you got it." You know? Yeah. And, and you know uh, you can
4: trust him. <laughs> and so it was, it was cool.
2: For for me, I almost felt in a way like I I Isaac and Taylor stepped out of the room, but they stepped back in as Jim and David, you know, getting sort of in a way, similar kinds of feedback. Um, You know, Taylor has a certain feel about the way he talks about songs that David kind of brings and, and Jim, his technical know-how and saying, Oh, use that mic, you know, certain Isaac has sort of a technical brain. He, he engineers as well. And so uh, in a way you, you, you had a, Similar process if you needed it, if you wanted it as much as you wanted it. Mm -hmm.
0: Was there a significance to the colors, red, green, and blue? And and I know they're separate, they sort of represent each of you on a certain level, but was there anything representative together?
4: It's two
2: parts. One is that red, green, and blue are a a color format that you can make every color from, right? And especially if you're a designer or you look at like uh, any any LED light or LED TV, right? It's made up of red, green, blue, and white, right? And so we're like, oh, that's cool. You can make every color. But it happens that since very early in our childhood, uh, when you're from seven kids, your, your parents start buying you things in colors. They're like, okay, you're the blue one. So, so you know, where's my stuff? Oh, it's the blue stuff, <laughs> right? Uh, and so Isaac has always been green and Taylor's always been red and I've always been blue, I think it strangely fits with the sound of the music and the personalities of the people. Yeah. Uh, Or at least there's these connections to it. But when we saw that kind of both of those things were true, both Hanson is red, green, blue, everything we do is red, green, blue, and also red, green, and blue. It just seemed kind of fortuitous.
0: When I was a kid, we had these things called (laughs) garanimals. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were color coded, so mm-hmm. so you know each kid had their own colored clothing. Mm-hmm. I love yes. that. Actually, uh, your parents needed to be able to tell you apart a little bit, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. So
4: where does the, where,
2: where does this shirt go? Where do these? Yeah. In- well, and when <laughs> you're in the same room, you know, growing yeah, exactly. up bunk beds, you exactly. know, it's like
0: of course mine. Of course, <laughs> mine. You know what was yours if it was yeah. color coded, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. So we have three singles um, Child at heart, write you a song and don't let me down. Yeah. And so, um, Child at heart, who's, who's taken that one.
3: So Child at heart, um, is the red single. And uh, from the tunes that I brought to the table, um, it was the first song we put out. Um, you know, and essentially we just released it based on red, green, blue, we released RGB singles. So that kind of reaffirming this idea of the way it all comes together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an interesting one to begin because it is, um, it's kind of a soft start for us. I mean, we mm-hmm. we've always written. There's always ballads. There's always mellow songs on albums, but we've never started an album release with with a ballad. I mean, we released "Go" as a single on the Walk album, um, which was k- kind of the first proper single, but still, "Great Divide" set the tone for the record when it came out um, thematically. And so, so "Child of Heart" is, I mean, really very, very on the edge of ballad. It's very direct. It's very intimate. It's talking about having kind of keeping hope in mind even as you begin to grow and you you're looking at the world and you're feeling like there's two paths to take I can start to get uh, become a cynic and start closing up and start closing down when the world keeps sort of beating you up you know with what what happens in life
4: yeah exactly um
3: or you can in trying to hold on to that that openness that, that you have as a child where you believe in the possibility and it frames, you know, it frames and innocence. It, yeah. Yeah. Add it's on. it's not, it's not to say that it could be a child, just be childlike all the time, but that childlike heart, which is open and thinking about possibilities. So um, yeah, it's a really, I'm really proud of the tune. I think it is one of those songs that uh, very rarely do you get to start a song with the chorus. So when that song starts, like here it is. And so that's always fun because it, it gets right to the point. <laughs>
4: I also like Child at Heart because of stylistically, it's definitely different than stuff we've done in the past, and I think that's true actually of all these singles in a lot of ways, which I think is cool because yeah. the record itself is a unique, you know, project in a lot of a lot of aspects, a lot of ways. Um, but but I like the fact that it's got this kind of Brit rock, you know, songwriter thing, very straight going ahead. On, very yeah. straight ahead, and those big uh, electric guitars with a with an acoustic guitar that's like right up front. Uh it I, I I love I love what that says not only about us as a band, but also what it says about the record.
0: What about Write You a Song?
4: Write You a Song uh is the first single from the green portion of the record and that, and that's me. Um it it's a very personal song. It was actually written directly because my daughter, in a very kind of late in the evening emotional moment, said, "Daddy, I don't have any songs. You never write me any songs." And I was like, "Well, honey, what about this song? And what about that? And what about?" She's like, "No, but it's not my song." And then it happened that a good friend of ours was coming through town on tour, and uh, I had him come stay at my house. When, you know, as a stop off on his way out to California. And I said, hey, man, you know, since you got an extra day, why don't you just stay with us for an extra day? And hey, we could write a song and, and maybe it'll end up on this new record. It'd be really be really fun. Let's do it. We've known each other for a long time. Let's do it. And so his name is Paul McDonald. He's a fantastic artist, songwriter, all that. And um, and it, unbeknownst to uh, him, uh, he, you know, my daughter and I, O'Dad, had had this conversation. And he says to me the next morning, hey, what if we wrote a song about you know, how songs are, are the kind of thing that stick with you, you know, and, and even when you're gone, you'll have this song I wrote for you. What if we write a song like that? And he kind of had the beginnings of the chorus idea. And I was like, "Well, oh, that's amazing. I mean, Odette and I had this conversation two days ago. This is exactly the right idea. This is perfect. And so we leaned into it. And by the end of the afternoon, you know, when he had to roll out for the evening, uh, the song was, you know, about 75% done. Yeah. And so, it, and, that and then, you know, Odette was in the room half the time, you know, humming along <laughs> to the song. So she knew it was for her. So it was, it was very cool. And so it made sense that then she ends up in the music video because it was just too darn easy and too literal that we, we couldn't avoid it. Uh-huh. You
0: know, I was I wondering was cool. if that's why she was in the videos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. what's
4: cool about
2: that song is we we've experienced so many times that sensation, right. Of seeing how, songs become something bigger, right? You you write it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere down the road, you meet someone who goes, that's my song. This is my song with my dad, or this is my song uh, mm-hmm. with my kids, right? And you go, wow, that's amazing how these stories that were so personal have become so personal to other people, you know, outside of my life experiences. and And the song really kind of talks about how the song will go on, right? How it will go on, it'll be there for you when I'm not here. Um and and it's cool to reflect on that especially at this point in a career that there is a legacy to music and um honestly you don't always know what it's going to be for different people.
0: Well songs are a little bit like children themselves. Right. right. They mm-hmm. go go on and they take on a life of their own, right? They do. They and do. Absolutely.
4: Um,
0: well so uh don't let me down. So let's talk yeah. about that. Don't let me down
2: is um an interesting one because it's the last song that I wrote for the the blue portion of the album. Um, but the blue portion was recorded first. And so as I was sitting, um, you know, four songs done and, um, I'd been sort of challenged by David. He said, man, I I love bad, which is one of the songs that I man, I just, I wish you had something like that, uh, that was just taking this feeling that I love so much and doing it even more. Um, and I was sitting, you know, two in the morning sort of in my hotel room in California and, and it was almost like, um like an anthem for the whole process, right? As each one of us were taking on a, a solo project in our own ways, at our own speed, writing in these styles that were very representative of us telling our stories. Like I was sitting this feeling at two in the morning before recording my last song and I go like, the moment is now, don't let me down. Like, don't leave anything to question. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, we have so much confidence and and experience that sometimes you forget like how many things you've been through and you still have to tell yourself like, Hey, I'm, I'm capable of this. I, I, am so proud of what we're doing now. Now, now give it all, give it all away. Uh, and so that's sort of what the song became and, you know, it's sort of this almost epic eighties rock anthem. Right. (laughs) And it was really special because it was done. I thought it was totally done. And then, right after Christmas, uh, a friend Zach Myers, who's in the band Shine Down, and also me- lives
4: yeah outside of Memphis.
2: He yeah. lives in Memphis. Yeah, he's Memphis. a Memphis boy. Yeah. Um, he sent me a he, he facetime to me uh, like two days after Christmas, and uh, he had gotten a Peloton bike, and he's like, "Dude, how do I put these shoes on? How do I?" Because <laughs> like, he knew I rode on the Peloton bike, and you know. And then I'm talking to him, and I'm just like, "Hey, I've got this song." actually you would be amazing with your guitar skills to add to this. And so he ended up uh, adding his uh, guitar, beautiful guitar licks to the song. And uh, it just made it, I think what it did for me was it, it put an icing on top of this beautiful cake. The song was about this process, but then the fact that the friendship, this, this sort of camaraderie of bands passing the night became a part of it. And the stylistic difference. I mean, we're, we're a rock band, but you know, they're, they're sort of like a heavy rock band, you oh, know, yeah. like, it's sort of like it's these different styles coming together. I, I, it just felt like it was the right message to, yeah. to be the first song people heard from the blue portion and, and knowing there were going to be three singles, it's sort of the last thing people hear before they dive into the record, um, which seemed like just uh, the right way to send people off.
0: Well, what an exciting time you guys. And I know you're heading out on a world tour mm-hmm. to support the album. I looked at all the places you're going to be going. I'm jealous. <laughs> Yeah. of course lots of um lots of places and of course yeah. post-covid it has to be a ton of fun to get back out on the road i mean are you guys excited for the tour
3: oh, very excited oh yeah i mean the, all the musicians you know that are used to performing i think we've, we've all gone through a bit of withdrawals and of course as fans i think too i think fans are feeling the same way so yeah very excited and you know not just to be across the u.s but all over the world so definitely looking forward to to stretching those muscles. See if we can remember how to play live shows. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're, cr- we're cramming
4: in like 47 shows in the U.S., not to mention a total of over 90 around the world. So it's, it's a lot of touring in a five-month period, but it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Well, I, I think we've all gotten to see that it's so important to be together, right? Oh, For yeah. people to share experiences and, and you know all the things that, that are the same and all the things that are the different. You know, and and one of the things that you see at a concert is like all these walks of life, all these age groups, right, coming in and sharing a song, sharing a, a, an experience, a show, um, hopefully a great moment, yeah. and and realizing that though though we come from different places, different neighborhoods, different towns, different countries, right, we're very much the same. In so many ways, and and I think it's really to get a, to be a part of kind of going back out in the world and 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 reconnecting people is a very special thing we don't take for granted.
0: Well, Isaac Taylor, Zach, it's been such a pleasure talking to you about the new album Red, Green, Blue. It's amazing, and I'm sure your fans are going to be so excited to see you when you're out on this tour. So, I wish you the best. Come see us in Memphis.
3: Absolutely, well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Look forward to it.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: All the thanks to Hansen for stopping by this hour to chat all about Red, Green, Blue, their latest record release produced by the band, along with Grammy Award-winning producer, engineer, and mixer Jim Scott and Grammy Award-winning artist and producer David Garza. This new triple album of sorts amplifies the band's unique trifecta of sound. Hanson is a multi-platinum, three-time Grammy Award-nominated group that sold over 16 million albums and performed concerts to over 3 million fans. Founded in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1992, this year marks their 30th anniversary, and we're happy we could catch up with them to help them celebrate their success. From all of us at Diddy TV, thanks again for tuning in today, and we hope to see you again real soon, right here on Insights.